got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, baby, when I turn it on. All from my city, all from my home. We're flying up no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that. Hello, and welcome to the fifth annual Mildly Pleased Awards. Our salute to the most okay stuff of the year. This year, this show is hosted by me, Sean Lemmy, as well as... John Otney. And Colin Westman. The core Mildly Pleased team. The, the ones you're, you're coming to the website for these days. Uh, Nancy couldn't join us. He's off accepting another award uh, for podcast tardiness. Zing. But he didn't, he's late. He didn't, he wasn't there. <laughs> Double zing. Um, so 2016, we're just going to start putting it to bed finally. Um, we all are kind of blindly hoping at this point that 2017 will just be a better year by default. It probably won't be, though, because... <laughs> The bad things that happened in 2016 will have huge ramifications in 2017. So, I don't know. Unless we have a day the earth stood still type situation where an alien comes down. Yeah, that could be fun. Except in the day the earth stood still, they fucked it up. I'm trying to remember how that movie ends. Doesn't that movie end with... Like, we came here to teach you guys everything, but you weren't ready, and so we're out. We're taking it all. Yeah, but at least they learned a lesson. So they probably, like, they probably think about that a little bit. They probably felt kind of bad about it. <laughs> I hope so. They shot Alien uh, Jesus. <laughs> Was that Keanu Reeves in the remake? In the remake, yeah. Huh. Um, so yeah, because 2016 was so bad, uh, this year we're not going to do the mildly pleasing events category. We're just going to omit that one, um, and focus on media. That's, uh, that's what we're best at. And I don't think there's really much to gain at this point from us trying to find some obscure news story that was kind of funny. Just wasn't that kind of year. You want to do a quick rundown of what the Miley Place Awards are first? Just so we know. We know I mean, five with. years. Do the Oscars explain what they are? Yeah, okay. So the Miley Pleased Awards <laughs> well, are... It's a little more straightforward with the Oscars. Just like, this um, is the best. We don't live in a black and white world. We live in a world of shades of gray. Um, and... It's not, you can't simply say something's good or something's bad. That's that's not good criticism. That's not insightful. That's not really helpful. Um, we're aware of that, but we have the opposite problem of us hedging our bets and saying, well, it's fine. It's okay. It's mildly pleasing. That's kind of how we came up with the, the name of our site. It's something we said a lot throughout our lives. And so these mildly pleased awards are not to find the best or worst uh, in their respective categories. They're instead designed to help us find the exact middle of the year. The If you laid everything out from good to bad, what would be in that center spot? 
and we, we're going to talk about video games, TV shows, movies, music, uh, and more to really get a, a solid gauge of the average for 2016. All right. Does that sound uh, about right? Yeah, no, that was uh, very eloquent. <laughs> For our completely innocuous podcast, uh, let's start with video games. You know, all, video games. Yeah, show. yeah. We all start with video games because, um, increasingly, I'm the only one who plays new video games. Although there was that brief period where John was trying stuff out on the Wii U. That was cool. It'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah, we got a new Nintendo console next year, so hopefully but but I'll only get back the Wii U. <laughs> Just gonna talk about old games that I played this. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll I'll go through it pretty quick because it's just me. Um, my number one uh, nomination is Audio Surf. Um, so th- this was uh, a VR uh, game, and and. Uh, God, was that what it's called? I hope that's what it's called. I'm trying to remember if, if that was the original game or if that's what the, the new uh, game is called. I might have written the wrong name down. I don't care. It's uh, This year was, was the year of VR for me, uh, more than any other year. And that's because I couldn't afford a VR headset up until the commercial release of them this year. Um, God, I'm... Don't think Audio Surf is the name of this game, but anyway, it's it's a game it's uh, where you're in a VR space and the sound flies at you and you punch the sound. You know, it's kind of like Rock Band where they're like gems, but you, you like punch them. And it was the first VR game I played, and it was really cool. Um, but then, kind of like everything in VR, once the wow factor started to wear off, uh, it started to feel like kind of ridiculous that this is how I was spending my time. Um, like I don't use, I don't use the headset much these days, which I feel bad about. And I, and I'm hoping it's cause it's audio shield. That's the name of the game. Audio shield, not audio. Surf. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, next year we'll, we'll see us get uh, proper VR games that are actually, um, games and not just gimmicks. Um, but for a while, Audio Shield was real cool. Uh, the next one on my list is Battleborn. Um, so this was the year of Overwatch. I think that's going to be like everyone's game of the year. Um, and there was another game that came out slightly before it that was wrongly positioned as an Overwatch competitor called Battleborn. It's made by the guys who made uh, those Borderlands games that I really like. Um, and it's kind of like, um, like League of Legends, but as a first-person shooter. And it was just horribly marketed, and everybody ignored it, and the online community dried up immediately. And uh, that was a shame. Uh, My third nominee is The Division, uh, which was supposed to be like what it... It's like a Tom Clancy game, so it's like a terrorist attack happens in uh, New York City, and like this disease spreads, and like the whole city gets quarantined. but the game was supposed to be like a kind of like a destiny type game where you're, you're like shooting people, but it's all about getting that sweet loot. Um, but then it just it didn't feel as good as destiny because you're just killing like desperate people stuck in this shitty situation instead of evil aliens. And ultimately, 
just the vibe of that game turned me off and I stopped playing it. Um, my fourth nominee is Pokemon Go. Uh, I think you can call that a game. It's kind of just like a way to get yourself mugged in the city. Uh, Pokemon Go is it's this phone app uh, where you can go to points in the real world uh, where randomly Pokemon will spawn and then you can catch them. And that's about all you can do with them. You just It's just about building up your Pokemon library. Um, there's this really basic gym uh, battling mechanic, which isn't that great, and I pretty much totally ignore it. But it's pretty addictive. And like I'm still checking Pokemon Go all the time. I, I got a problem. <laughs> uh, and then my last nominee is No Man's Sky. Did you guys hear about no man's sky at all i know it's disappointing no promise too much they promised the sky john knows it's disappointing <laughs> so the thing about no man's sky is it was made by this small uk-based uh game studio that had made like sort of like excite bike style games before and they're going to try to pivot that into this new game, No Man's Sky, where they said you will have li- literally galaxies to explore. They'll be so vast that even though it's a multiplayer game, you won't ever run into other players. And um, you're just free to go into space battles and trade and colonize planets. And you, uh, the, you'll go to all these planets and they're randomly generated with different inhabitant uh, aliens and, and habitats. And it, it was just supposed to be this amazing complex beautiful game and then it came out and obviously they couldn't deliver that at all and on top of everything it had a bunch of problems on pc um which is where i chose to buy it Uh, i'm super disappointed because i chose to buy the extra expensive i am 8-bit edition which is supposed to come with this like uh, model of, of the the ship you get at the start of the game and that model still hasn't come even though this game came out i think in july maybe even earlier than that um and then the the main the lead developer the guy who had been championing this game out to the media i mean he he was even on like jimmy fallon and colbert promoting this game uh this was like a big like centerpiece of the playstation lineup for this year um he's like straight up disappeared and like since the game came out he like hasn't tweeted he hasn't talked to the community uh and, and so it creates this perception of basically he conned everyone and like the sting, like he conned everyone, got the money and got the fuck out of there. <laughs> um, so those are the, f- I think a, a pretty good slice of, of my view of mildly pleasing games this past year. I think hands down, it has to go to Pokemon Go. Uh, because I love it, even though I think it's barely a game. <laughs> I mean, I definitely love the fact that I could go out to a park and there's all these people like playing this together. It was this event, you know? People were getting out to play video games. But yeah, like there wasn't a lot to it. And I think that's the reason it hasn't had legs is because once everybody caught like a good amount of Pokemon, there wasn't anything to do. Couldn't really do anything with yeah. them. Yeah, the, once people figured out that like the same Pokemon spawn in the same spots, and so like 
you can't you can't go out into the woods because then your phone won't have a good cellular connection and there won't be landmarks for you to find. And you it doesn't make sense really to explore around your own neighborhood because you'll just keep catching the same Pokemon. That was one of the most disappointing aspects was I can go into the woods. It's like, no, I just have to go into this Burger King. It's like, this doesn't feel like exploring. Yeah, uh, when the game came out, I was actually on a camping trip. And I could not play the game for that first week it was out because there was nothing out in the woods to go catch, which was just nuts. Uh, but I'm still, like, to this day, I'm still playing it because uh, one of my friends at work is even more into the game than I ever was. Like, she was one of those people that was going to that Bellevue Park and just, like, running around with the horde. I was a part of that. Um, There's a lot of laws being broken. <laughs> <laughs> And so, like, she's she's caught, like, every Pokemon you can catch right now. And um, just trying to keep up with her has been fun for me. And, you know, it's motivation to be physical, which, are, you know, are girls are also important. <laughs> so, congratulations to Pokemon <laughs> Go. Uh, let's move on to our next category which is viral videos and i feel like i've been talking a lot so if someone else wants to take the lead through this category that'd be cool well i can at least talk about the first one because i was the one who uh put it up for consideration i guess the name of it is baby vomits while watching lions which you know, I don't like even sharing the title, but I feel like you kind of have to if you want to look it up on YouTube. Because I saw it on, like, Twitter, like someone tweeted it, and mm -hmm. it didn't have, like, a title for the video, so I just clicked on the video. And at first, you see these lions walking along. I don't know. It's like this family in a car at this nature preserve or something. And you think something amazing is going to happen with the lions because, mm -hmm. you know, lions are interesting, majestic creatures. <laughs> But then the camera turns around to the guy's wife holding his baby, and the baby just, like, barfs so much. Like, more milk than you'd ever think a baby could hold. And that's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> it's just all about misdirection. But I feel like if you know barf is coming, it's probably not as fun of a video. I mean, you might be surprised by the sheer volume of vomit. Yeah, that's that's fun. <laughs> Even if you know it's coming. Like, it seems like they have ruined that car. <laughs> I feel bad that I'll never get to experience it not knowing. It's kind of like the Sixth Sense, you know. There was never a time where I didn't know. Always mm, knew. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make it any less impactful. Let's talk about Chuck E. Cheese Challenge. Uh, I just watched this like 10 minutes ago. It looked like a bunch of guys, three guys front of microphones pretending to sing and dance like the Chuck E. Cheese animatronic robots and just mm -hmm. nailing it. That's pretty impressive. I've never seen anyone I've never seen three people do the robot at the same time so well. <laughs> and I don't know if this is indeed, you know, like the mannequin challenge, a real challenge because I don't imagine many people could do this as well but it's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I wanted to get a mannequin challenge on here but I just didn't really like any of them that much. <laughs> um, but the Chuck E. Cheese challenge one came up and I, you know, I like that childish Gambino song that they're lip syncing to. And I love the, the diversity of, you know, the one guy's doing like a bunch of different, really stiff moves, but then there's the other guy who like literally just goes back and forth, back and forth. 
It's like uh, if you were to see one of those stage shows, and maybe there's a guy that he just pops out of a barrel every now and then. Like that's all he does. Yeah. There's always one robot that's not as, as advanced as the other one. Also, just seeing this video made me think how funny it is that one of the things we think is quaint is robots dancing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one is my favorite video of the year. Uh, I'm not even gonna be coy with you guys. I'm gonna be straight up. This is my favorite. Uh, it's the the video is called "Dressing Up as Dog's Favorite Toy," and you've probably seen it. It was huge. Um, it's it starts with this dog playing with a Gumby toy, and then his jaw kind of drops, and the camera pans over, and there's a a human being dressed up as Gumby, and the dog just loses his shit all over Gumby. Got to meet his hero. So good. Or his enemy, I'm not sure. I guess hero. Yeah. I think hero. Seems pretty affectionate towards Gumby. <laughs> Despite chewing on him in doll form. Yeah, like, you, I was a little afraid it was going to be like, oh, he's going to hump Gumby, but it, it doesn't go in that direction. That's, that's kind of what I thought. I thought something fucked up was going to happen. <laughs> no. It's a pure love. Yeah. Um. Then there was drunk guy can't get out of a cardboard box, which is a guy just like in a cardboard box, like it's like taped shut. I mean, I don't know if it was like a Halloween costume. It doesn't look creative enough to be a Halloween <laughs> costume, but he's just stuck in this box and he's got a really thick Scottish accent, which I feel like really ties it together. And he's just mm-hmm. like. Trying to get his girlfriend, I assume, who's filming it to get him out of the box, but she's not. She's laughing at him. He's like, it's in a fucking joke. I'm stuck in this box. And it's great. I love it. And then finally, we have laughing Chewbacca mask lady. This was a phenomenon. I mean, this this lady was on James Corden, guys. But this was a mom who went out to the store to buy this Chewbacca mask that kind of put it on your face and the jaw moves with your jaw. And when you open the mouth, it makes the Chewbacca noise. And she's just going on about it, like, this is for me. I didn't buy it for your kids. This is for me. And everyone's like, yeah, you, you bet. It's for you. Yeah. Go moms, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, and she's just like so ecstatic about it. And I think that's what people enjoyed about it was like her energy. But I don't know. I feel like it got way too popular for what it was. Yeah, I feel like this is the, the true viral video of the year. Like everybody saw this. You couldn't. Everybody knew who Chewbacca Mask Lady was. Uh, you know, and of course, it was perfectly timed because she didn't buy that toy before Star Wars came out. It was in like January when like everybody had seen Star Wars. Everybody knew it was up. I'm sure, it um, sold like a lot of masks. I'm pretty sure she she got a yeah. bunch of Star Wars stuff. I'm sure. Uh, but I don't. I don't like. I think it's fine that she enjoyed her 15 minutes. Like whatever, give her give her the pass. Let her have it. She's just a mom. Uh, so what do you guys want to give the uh, Mildly Pleased Award to? I just always forget what our criteria for this category is. If we do a favorite, okay, not the most bodily pleasing of the videos. All right. Um, 
I don't feel too strongly about any of these. Well, Sean, you said dressing up as dog's favorite toy was your favorite, right? Yep. That's my favorite, too. I think it's not. Maybe just because I'm a sick fuck and I'm more amused by people being put in bad situations that are also kind of not like dangerous, just like absurd which is maybe why I like the baby vomiting and the guy getting stuck in a cardboard box. But I, I could go to the Gumby Dog one too. That's fine. I need something uplift. Yeah, sure. Let, let's 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 go with something that warms people's hearts. Yay! Our next category is television. Uh, so we're gonna talk about TV shows that were. Good ish, <laughs> mostly good. Um, and one I feel kind of bad putting in that category is the late great Agent Carter, which came back for a second and final season this January. Um, so I think it was the better of the two ABC uh, Marvel shows if you compare the first two seasons to each other. Uh, but obviously Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the one they've always given more episodes to, and it's still going, so I guess the people have chosen. Um, but yeah, once again, just want to remind everyone that while we're being all critical of Marvel not having uh, people of color and women, that uh, Agent Carter like pretty much exclusively had tough women. And uh, they added even a few people of color this year, uh, even though... It's set in the 40s, so it's like kind of, kind of hard to like tackle racism and also be a light, fun Marvel superhero show. Sean, can I ask you something about Marvel television? Why are the Netflix Marvel shows so much more well received and successful than the major network ones? Um, the Netflix ones are like pretty high pg-13 low r rated <laughs> like there's no nudity there's not a ton of swearing but like they're pretty bloody uh also you can they're like 13 episodes and you can watch them in a week um that's that's very much like what people like right now compared to agents of shield which started out as um you know, sort of like a case of the week style. Um, I don't know, like Hawaii Five O type show, something like you know. And then Agent Carter, I just feel like nobody heard about it. No one ever gave it a chance. It was this period piece, uh, woman kicking ass show. It just I don't know, but the word never got out, and so it got canceled. Uh, and then there's the added thing of the guy who runs the ABC TV shows, I guess like doesn't get along with the rest of the Marvel universe and doesn't want the TV shows and the movies to interact that much, even though I feel like that's the whole point of having those shows. Hopefully this Christmas he'll be visited by three ghosts that change his mind. <laughs> we can all hope. So. Oh, I, it, it, there's a, it seems like there's a pretty good chance that this will be the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, um, which is too bad because they, they've done this whole uh, Ghost Rider arc this year. It's been pretty sweet, but just not as good as Luke Cage, I guess. 
Uh, my second nominee was The Good Place, and I want to like this show more, but I'm hesitant to after giving so many new comedies a shot over the past few years. Because uh, The Good Place is an extremely high-concept comedy show. It's um, Kristen Bell has died and woken up in the afterlife, where she finds out that there's a good place and a bad place that you can end up. Um, and she quickly finds out that they don't know who she actually is and deduces that if they find out, she might end up in the bad place. Um, so she's trying to keep that secret and, and learn how to blend in. Um, Ted Danson's also in the show. He's really great. Um, but I just I can't get into it because I'm so sure it's going to get canceled. <laughs> like NBC wants to cancel it. I can feel it. So this show takes place in heaven? basically heaven yeah yeah is it like jesus called today like what do they do no uh the one of the first scenes is is uh ted danson talking about the religions and he says everybody got it a little bit right and except for this one guy and they have this painting of this like random overweight white guy who's like this guy was like 96 percent correct um so it's it's that kind of approach like uh they have buddhists there and and muslims and then it's a like religion doesn't matter, I guess. But what do they the show. do? Um, so the good place uh, is like everyone ends up in like a community, and so it's it's set in this basically like a neighborhood with a ton of like frozen yogurt shops and <laughs> quaint movie theaters and stuff, um, and then everyone has their own dream house that they live in. But wouldn't conflict uh, would... make it not the good place if there's any conflict? Exactly, and so the the fabric of the universe starts pulling itself apart because there's minor conflicts that are happening in secret. Got it. There's a lot of uh, CGI in this show, which probably makes it expensive, which probably gives NBC even more reason to want to cancel it. CGI Ted dancing? Mm, not yet. <laughs> We're getting the there. We're getting thing. there. We all saw Rogue One. <laughs> um. Yeah, I watched the first episode of this show with Sean, and I was also like, this is going to get canceled, so I <laughs> didn't really continue watching it. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to keep it going, because I guess these first three are... <laughs> That's what I was going to do. Are just me. Yeah. Um, so the increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret came back this year no one can explain why um so i guess i can't really talk about it without spoiling the end of the second season of todd margaret so i'm just gonna do that so this so todd margaret ended in 2012 with the increasingly bad decisions of of todd margaret culminating with him making a decision so bad it causes the end of the world so season three Todd Margaret wakes up at the beginning of the first episode but also a different Todd Margaret wakes up at the same time and he's the opposite of this Todd Margaret he's uh, lived a successful life he's you know Todd Margaret is is meek and he lies all the time and he doesn't get away with it and and here the new Todd Margaret is like confident and he always gets what he wants um, but he still ends up making a bunch of uh, bad decisions and ends up meeting 
uh, some of the same people uh, who are who present themselves differently. You know, Will Arnett's still in it, but he's obviously not his boss anymore. Um, Spike Jones still in it. God, it's just a weird, crazy show. I don't, I, I can't explain why they did it. Um, but man, it's a, it's a hell of a thing. John Hamm's in it. Uh, I never watched this show. I watched the first <laughs> so season, and then I rewatched it and didn't like it as much this episode. I know. Yeah, and so it's funny, but it's not like super funny. And it's creative, but I'm not sure if its creativity is the best. Like, <laughs> I, I just I don't even know what what category to put it in, so I put it on this list. Okay, makes sense. What about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? What happened? I feel like the first season was so good and. There's all these plot threads this season that I was not invested in at all. I'm not sure if I can recall them because that was like February or March maybe. <laughs> I feel like there was a lot of focus around Jane Krakowski's character, which I feel like wasn't as good. Um, yeah. I can't remember why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just Yeah, just the plot threads. I don't know. For some reason, they weren't, they weren't interesting. Uh, there's a recurring thing with uh, Kimmy and her mom that was okay, right? Maybe yeah, I'm having a hard time remembering too. And then there was, was a, a couple by. episodes with Is Tina that Lisa Faye. Kudrow? It wasn't yeah, Lisa Kudrow. Kudrow. Tina Fey was the therapist who would get drunk at night and party, mm-hmm. and that was eh, okay. I feel like the thing is like Titus is my favorite part of the show, and he was I don't know, kind of. I feel like he didn't get enough attention. He definitely got some episodes. Didn't he go to... He went to some town. Um, Didn't he go to, like, space camp or space, something? Something like that. Something related to NASA. <laughs> I can't remember the details. <laughs> so I didn't care to remember. It got so caught up in plot that I feel like the jokes were suffering. Yeah. The, uh, the thing I liked least about the first season was they decided to make Jane Krakowski, uh, Native American, who, yeah. like, got surgeries or something to pass as a white person, and they like really doubled down on that this year. Like, her plot was about her wanting to do. She she gotten divorced, so she wanted to win back the rich white community, and also she wanted to like do fundraising for her tribe. And it all seemed misguided and mistaken. I don't know why they thought that was a good idea. And then they even do an episode where they kind of make fun of internet people for their comments and their criticisms and their, you know, like social justice worker, warrior, social justice worker, no, social justice warrior type people, which, like, it's not that insightful or funny. It's just, it's, it's a bad move. That was really cringy and hard to watch, yeah. So, how can how do you guys think uh, Kimmy Schmidt can bounce back in a third season, if it will? Uh, give more screen time to David Cross and John Hamm. 
Okay. John and Titus. For sure. Yeah, and Titus. And, and give Titus a plot that's not like him actually having a serious boyfriend. Like that's fine, but it's not as fun because he's an over-the-top character. Yeah, I like his theater stuff. You know, have him trying out for that too many Spider-Men play or whatever, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> That's what I want to see. I, yeah, the relationship thing I also hated. Except for uh, Puppet Grandma. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty, that was pretty scary. <laughs> I don't think it... I worry that it won't bounce back. I worry that we just kind of got... We were lucky with this one season, and it's just going to be kind of meh for the rest of its run. But who knows? There's definitely been shows that I like that, that do bounce back. Like, It's Always Sunny came back in like a big way. So it's possible. Um, I don't know. I just don't know if anyone cares enough. It's on Netflix. I don't. I don't know how much people are paying attention. It's hard to tell with a lot of those streaming shows how much people are invested, unless it has like a big social media presence. Yeah, yeah. It's it's also funny to wonder if like criticism makes any impact at all on a show that doesn't really care about ratings and do a whole seasons at once, so they can't even really react to criticism anyway. Okay, and now we move on to the X Files, which triumphantly returns. Triumphantly returns after fourteen years, and that movie that wasn't very good, but I think I liked it, but I probably didn't. Uh, so it came back only for like six or something episodes, and like everything sounded really promising. It's like pretty much everybody's back. It's going to be mostly Monster of the Week type episodes. We're not going to get too caught up in the in the myth arc. Just going to have fun. And then, you know, it airs, and they got caught up in some new conspiracy with government and aliens now connected to Roswell and stuff. And that took out, like, three of the six episodes. And then the other ones were just, like, there's one about, like, a magic magic garbage band, which was partially okay. But then part of the episode had to do with myth art, so it sucked. There's only really one good episode but it was so good that I'm like, you know what? If, if they did another one, it's worth it as long as they get one good one. Because <laughs> the one they did that was good was great. Um, they brought back this writer, Darren Morgan. He only wrote four episodes of the original series, but they're all the best episodes. And it was a comedic episode with Rise Darby. And basically Mulder is trying to track down this um, reptile man that's going around this small town. And he keeps seeing Rise Darby at the scene, scene of the crime and trying to figure out what his deal is. And I'll spoil, you, spoil it for you guys because I don't think you'll ever watch it. It has a great like spin on the monster story concept where you find out this isn't like about, like about a guy who got bitten by a monster and turns into a monster. It's about a monster that got bit by a man and has to suffer as a human. And every time he's a human, he talks about how horrible <laughs> his life is. And like he just showed like what he did when he became a human. And, like He immediately got a job in like a cell phone store even though he knows nothing and he just like goes to like Burger King every day and his life is miserable and it's kind of just like a nice little you know satire on like these this boring like existence that we live every day and like Mulder's like battling like his his faith and his belief and all this stuff and that it was just a fantastic episode but everything else was so lame I'm sure Nancy would be like oh yeah, well, what are they, what were they going to do like it is what it is you know it's like good but... <laughs> I mean, I wish he was here because he got to interview Chris Carter before this aired. Um, so I'm sure he would have had plenty of input. Um, as for like what they do next, I think, I think I would like them to give another another season a shot. Just you know, maybe they'll get a few good ones in again. 
Um, Would you be at all interested if they decided to go cinematic universe with it and just start pumping out movies? Nah, because I just don't think Chris Carter is with it anymore. Like he doesn't, he's too old. He's not edgy and like young anymore. Like his ideas are just old and tired. I just think about little things like how Mulder or Scully will watch a video on some weird YouTube looking knockoff, you know, it's just like this show feels so dated. It feels very nineties. So I think it needs like, it would need young blood for it to keep going, but I don't think Chris Carter will ever want to let it go. Are there a lot of cell phone cameras in this new season? I don't remember, maybe. Uh, you know, if, if you're an X-Files fan, I think there's some stuff in there that you'll appreciate. Um, but no one else should need to check it out ever. <laughs> so what do you guys think is the winner here? I, mean, I think it's X-Files. I don't know if it'll ever get a chance to... I don't know if it will come back. I'm fine giving it to the X-Files. The only thing is, you said only one of six. So that's like... But the rest were... They weren't like bad. It, I it, only it one feels really good. more worse than mildly pleasing to me is what it sounds like. I don't know. I wish Nancy was here. What do you mean? You said he would be like... He'd defend it. <laughs> I just, I'm just curious to, to hear what he has to say. Yeah. We had like a text thread going for a while. Oh, yeah? Sort of, yeah. That's cool. I mean, I guess Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt's the only one all three of us have seen. Maybe you want to give it to Agent Carter because it's gone, never to return. Though I guess it's the same case with the X-Files. Yeah, like I said, I'm fine giving it to the X-Files if you think it's good enough. It sounds like you were pretty down on it, but then maybe you're not as down as you sounded. Hey, there is a dream sequence where Mulder line dances to Iggy Breaky Heart. <laughs> Again, well, well, just caught up with the 90s. <laughs> Funny. You know, one thing, the, the uh, David Duchovny and Julian Anderson were very good. They fit in those roles perfectly. Good for them. Let's just give it to the X-Files. All right. Up next are albums. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, maybe this will just become a tradition with the Bollyplease. Because I remember I nominated Frank Ocean's Orange back when it came out for a Please Award, even though it was like the most universally praised album of that year. And I was like, I don't get it. It's fine, I guess. Is it that great? And, you know, I guess I was willing to give Frank Ocean the benefit of the doubt and check out his new album that came out this year, Blonde. And on first listen, I was like, yeah, maybe I kind of like this. And then I listened to it again, I'm like, this is it's just kind of boring. It's not that great. Like, it's fine, but it just doesn't grab me, man. I don't get it. And once again, it's universally praised by critics. I'm just like... Kind of sitting here scratching my head. What color is he going to do next? Uh, Pink. Beige. It's about as exciting as his music. No, no, no. I yeah. feel like him. I, I, that's, that's why I never got into Frank Ocean. I feel like this is like kind of slow. Pretty much. 
super laid back. <laughs> All right, we're on the same page with that. Uh, I listened to this uh, Bat for Lashes album once, The Bride, and it seemed fine. I didn't like it as much as the last Bat for Lashes album. I'm guessing you felt the same way, Sean. Yeah, I was really disappointed that she was so boring. On <laughs> it, like it's been four years since the Haunted Man, and the Haunted Man was awesome. Like I listened to that album a lot, and uh, you gotta you gotta gotta do a good one after after that. <laughs> yeah, but I I can't be like this is a terrible album. Because I've listened to it a few times and it's fine, but you know I was really banking on this being one of my favorite albums of the year, and it just didn't turn out that way. Mm-hmm. I think they made a movie of it too, like Lemonade, but nobody cared. <laughs> That's the thing, <laughs> yeah. huh? Yes. Up next is Good Times. Good Times with an exclamation point. Though, if you ask me. Title should probably be "Good Times" with a question mark. But I, <laughs> I like that they got all the monkeys back together for one last album because I feel like the one that they went out on in the '90s was pretty stupid. And this one was okay. There's some okay songs. They got some good songwriters: Rivers Cuomo, Ben Gibbard, uh, the dude from Fountains of Wayne. He was like running the show mostly. And the songs are good, but it's just like these guys are old. This is cheesy, and. It really hurts the album that Davy Jones is dead because he's just such a big part of that group, and it's just kind of sad. And they had some like, use some old uh, tracks that had him on there, so it was, it was like he's kind of there, but it just it just brought me down. I mean, but the song the songwriting is good. It just it also has that problem like everything's like super like polished. Mickey Dolan sounds like like way too good, and you know he's not that good. You know he's struggling. <laughs> He's struggling to like walk into the shuffling into the studio on two canes, and his voice is not that strong. There's some like there's some robot technology going on there, <laughs> but you know it's kind of a fun little, hopefully last album for the Monkees. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they get to go out on something fun. Uh, Tegan and Sarah's "Love You to Death" was fun. But, you know, it was, like, fun in the way that their last album was fun. So it was kind of like, yeah, this is good, but I've heard it before. And less memorable songs. The single was fine. But I feel like the one before it had at least three solid singles. This one, not so much. Just much dicking around on synths. It kind of felt just like stuff that was left over from the previous album. Maybe. I wonder if they're, this is just their thing now or if they're ever going to go back to picking up guitars and stuff. Yeah, it's worrying, isn't it? A little bit, because I like their old have... sound probably yeah. better. I, li- I did like that first. Uh, well, I can't remember any of that album now, but that first Cynthia one. I mean, that was the album they were promoting when Sean, when we saw him live, and that was a good show. That was a fun show. I think it was Heartthrob, right? Heartthrob. I think it was like it was a pretty big hit for them, so it kind of thrust them into like I guess this is what we're doing now. This is what people really like. It's kind of like the uh, I don't know if it's quite the same, but like the Coldplay problem, where it's like 
their music was getting worse, but then they're getting more popular for their worst music. So like, I guess we'll just keep doing music like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, now you're making me wonder if that head full of dreams. When did that come out? That wasn't this year, was it? Yeah, right. No, no, last Christmas, uh, 2015. Yeah. Oh, December 2015. Yeah. That was funny when I was working at a music store and people buy that album. I just feel like they just they wouldn't even think about it. They just walk in, pick it up, and they don't even care. Like maybe they probably never even listen to it. Oh my god, guys, <laughs> guys, guys. Did yeah. you know this? Guys. Guys. I'm listening. Headful Headful Dreams has a music video with Andy Circus mo capping chimpanzees. That's the that's the Rise of the Planet of the Apes one I was talking about. He's he's in that video. That's Andy Circus. I had no idea. That that was Andy Circus. I mean, who Mr. Else Motion could Capture. Dance that convincingly as an ape. <laughs> He's probably taken lessons. That was like an Oscar caliber music video, and I didn't even know. That music video is kind of weird. It's like it's like it's War of the Planet of the Apes or something, but then they all start dancing. I don't know if I like that video. <laughs> I have not seen it. I'm gonna have it to say good weird. times question mark on that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, enough about Coldplay let's talk about Animal Collective yeah I didn't, uh, I didn't even know they had a new album I didn't know they were year. still around isn't that weird <laughs> it is weird they were like a big deal in the late 2000s they were like the indie band but it's like now I don't know they seem like a band that like <laughs> maybe weren't worth all the hype like maybe Pitchfork hyped them up too much back in the day, and now we're realizing like, yeah, they were fine, but they weren't like the band of a generation or anything. And yeah, I feel like I listened to the last Animal Collective album, and I wasn't into it, so I guess I just didn't even think about listening to the one they put out this year. Yeah, so this is another like it's been four years. Um, in that time, I feel like Panda Bear has really come out into his own, and like we like Panda Bear, right? I liked his solo album from last year. Um, and so, and and still, uh, you know, everybody loved Meriwether Post Pavilion. Um, so I still had some expectation for this latest album, which is called Painting with. Um, and then like you'll know from I, I so i take it neither of you guys have even listened to this Mm-mm. um you will know from the first seconds of the first song that they have just not got it anymore um it's the song florida da where they just ca- talking about like florida and they go florida da florida da and it's like oh he used to you used to mean something that sounds pretty good i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> it better be as good as what you just did sean um, I think that's the only single from the album as well. Maybe they put out another one. Yeah, uh, sounds like something I wouldn't like. Because that's sometimes my problem with Animal Collective is there's too much, like, I don't know what you would call it, like whimsical gibberish in the way that they sing their vocals. <laughs> can grate on me sometimes. And, and yeah, and just the fact that, like, this band was a huge deal and now people don't even know they're putting out albums it's it's weird (laughs) it is weird but 
Was it the most mildly pleasing album of the year? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what's the one we've all listened to. Is Have we all listened to Tegan and Sarah? Probably. That might be a good choice. I th- and I think we've all listened to Frank Ocean, but that's like, whoa. I haven't listened to this Frank. No, I only, listened- I only listened to the first Frank Ocean. Oh, okay. Should we just give it to Tegan and Sarah because it's the only one we all bothered to listen to? Sure. Let's move on to songs. This is usually a category that we devote to pop songs that like okay it gives a pass i guess and some other stuff uh starting that off is 24 karat magic bruno mars his his big follow-up to uptown funk and it was a big hit and it has the old school production but i don't know it's just i just don't think the course is that good just like it's like i like this still the studio stuff and the arrangement but i just i don't know it's not i don't think it's that catchy i don't get it I think he's missing, uh, is it Mark Ronson? Mm-hmm. I feel like that, he should he should always be working with him. <laughs> it's like, I feel like Michael Jackson like always had like a good, solid producer by his side. And I don't know, I feel like that's lacking. And I'm like, I would never dare listen to the album. I tried to listen to a Bruno Mars album once, and I got way too embarrassed. Were you embarrassed for top three oh, embarrassing albums I've listened to? I don't know. It's just like oh, I'm so lame. I'm supposed to be cool. I, you know, like, <laughs> I, I like a pitchfork. I'm on rock talk. <laughs> Number two most embarrassing is the fact that I physically spent money on Taylor Swift's last album. And number one is that time when my mom got in my car and had that last Miley Cyrus album. That was like that's just creepy. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I'm so ashamed. I thought it would be good, and then everyone hated it. But Bruno Mars, uh, maybe this album isn't that embarrassing. I actually haven't asked you guys anything about it. That is a good level of embarrassment that you're like, Mom, it's good. But then, like, it wasn't. Yeah. At least not according to anyone. That's a... <laughs> I just thought, you know, it's like Miley Cyrus flaming lips. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, maybe. Nope. Don't you guys mm. feel like Bruno Mars like is so close to being something better than what he is? Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Like, if only he was a worse dancer. What? If only he was like a worse dancer, so he had to rely more on the music. I feel like he's always got like maybe like two good songs every couple of years and everything. <laughs> it's like I want him to be Michael Jackson, but it's never gonna happen, so I think the problem is he wants to be Michael Jackson too badly and it's like it ends up being kinda of bland because he's afraid to be himself. Maybe there is no real Bruno Mars, I don't know. Yeah, I know, he does seem to wear his influences too loosely on his sleeve. Who, who are you? <laughs> That's not even. Oh. Is that even his real name? I doubt it. Most definitely like not. Bruno Jupiter. Oh, I can't wait to see him at the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. <laughs> Just every. He'll be there. Along with our, uh, along with Bonavera, right? 
<laughs> yeah, he's gonna kill it at the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, so twenty-two a million was uh, the latest Boney Bear album. It sounds like he was kind of thinking about not being Boney Bear anymore and just focusing on his various bands. Um, but then he had this idea of like, I'm gonna do sweet technology music, um, which I, I think actually is pretty sweet. Mostly, I actually like that album a lot. Um, I do too. I'm a big fan. But I think he got a little too confident on the song we nominated here, which I'm just going to call Creeks. Uh, Can't you say 715 Creeks? 715 dash, dash Creeks. CR Sigma Sigma KS. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this song, it's just him all vocoder going like, down along the creek. And... It's, it's kind of stupid, but I'm also going to admit that, like, I've had that caught in my head. I've sung that to myself, like, in the shower. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like Battle Los Angeles. <laughs> I know what Don't. you The trailer to, to uh, Battle Los Angeles, the legendary film mm-hmm. with Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. Yep. Um, it had, like, a vocoder acapella song in the trailer. Yeah. And it just kind of reminded me of this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, not not really one of my favorite songs on this album, which I like for the most part, but you know, whatever. Uh what is it? What is this this band DNCE? Dunce. I hope it's it's Dunce. It's probably Dunce. dance. Let's say Dunce. <laughs> Dunce. This is just one of the uh, songs that I heard on the radio a lot. I'm like, this is okay. This is okay. It's sort of catchy. I don't I, cake by the ocean. That's funny. Like, well, who would leave a cake by the ocean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the MacArthur Park song. Where someone wants to cake out in the rain. You know, it's like stop leaving cake weird places. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I thought this was like kind of catchy. But then once I found out who Dunce really was, <laughs> I was like, oh man. So this is like this was their first song, and then they did an album later. Uh, Joe Jonas is the lead singer of. Oh Dance. no! Dance. I was like, oh great. They probably don't even write. They probably don't even write this. It's probably written by like twenty producers. So lame. They're all from Sweden. Right? It's always like that. It's like. Yep. We've heard. We've heard so much ABBA. We have it. It's just in their veins, the ABBA juju. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I think it's a good song. It's just I don't know. It's, just, it's like corporate fuck. Along with the next song that I have, uh, which is Can't Stop This Feeling, Justin Timberlake off of the Trolls soundtrack. <laughs> yep. There's a movie that just kind of came and went, right? Sure, but like I assume it made like so much money. I think it did fine. I just didn't really? think about it. Like, what, what was it about? Like,. It's not friggin' trolls. What do they do? Is there like a guy like coming out? I think in the trailer, it's kind of a Smurfs thing where it's like, they taste delicious. People are always trying to eat like little gnomes and trolls. And stuff. <laughs> this tastes good. <laughs> I have not seen trolls. I've not seen a trailer for trolls. I guarantee to you, though, it is a movie about like, it doesn't matter what you look like as long as you like yourself. <laughs> you can be happy. <laughs> And mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake started the movie as well. And this song, it's kind of just very, very upbeat pop. Like, Autumn was like, this is just too upbeat. I hate it. It's like, it makes me depressed how, like, positive it is. I agree. 
But like, I kind of like Justin Timberlake. He's that guy that everybody used to hate, but now likes. But uh, I mean, when he was doing like 2020 experience, all that stuff, like that stuff was like kind of cool. This isn't really that cool. It's catchy. It's just kind of dorky. Yeah, I mean, it's it's on the troll soundtrack. What do you expect? Yeah, it's like for babies, you know. Yeah, I think it was trying to be the new happy, but you know, at least happy's like sneaky. <laughs> yeah, Pharrell Williams is sneaking around. Just sneak around, sneaking through fences. Yeah, he's a sneaky guy. Watch out yeah. for him. He always blends in with his hats. Walking into the store. Oh, yeah, the last one, yeah, is Store by Carly Rae Jepsen off of her Emotion B-Sides album. Um, so, CRJ, uh, I follow a lot of, like, video game people, like, video game journalists on Twitter, and for whatever reason, all of them love Carly Rae Jepsen, like, people who love Mortal Kombat and people who love Final Fantasy like it doesn't matter my Twitter feed is full of people who love that Carly Rae Jepsen and she so, comes up a lot on my bim bam yeah and so like I wish I really liked Carly Rae Jepsen uh, and I do understand the funness of some of her songs but the one off the B-Sides album that everybody loved this year was Store, which is literally not even about relationships. It's about going shopping. Like, the li- like the chorus is, I'm just going to the store, the store. And I-, I just don't get it at all, but I did have a lot of fun. This became, like, something of a Vine meme. Remember Vine? That's over now. 2016 killed Died killer. this year. Uh, R.I.P. Where... Many celebrity deaths. You know... <laughs> these idiot teenagers would be like dancing in supermarkets and playing this song and walking down the street and playing the song and like that that was funny that enough i got enough enjoyment out of that that i was happy little meme for you mm-hmm. so which song is the most mildly pleasing have we given it to bruno mars before I don't think so. Uptown yeah. Funk wasn't nominated. I feel like it may have it may have been a little too good. I yeah, I 24K Magic is the one that sticks out to me for some reason. It just seems good enough <laughs> to be catchy, but not much else. All right. This is our weirdest one, right? Yep. <laughs> so Lifetime Achievement is our like, catch-all category for, uh, theoretically, actors, actresses, musicians, uh, directors, anyone we want to point out uh, has had a career of good and bad uh, in equal measure or who has just never made anything great, never made anything terrible. Uh, and this year especially is weird because we already picked a winner. Um, so I think we're going to just talk about five other nominees and then tell you who the winner is. That sounds good. Uh, 
first off is Aaron Eckhart, who starred in movies this year such as Sully, London Has Fallen, and what was the other one, John? Incarnate, I think. What was the deal with that one? Some horror movie that no one saw. Okay. (laughs) So this guy, you know, he's always fine. Sometimes he's good. (laughs) Like, thank you for smoking. He was good in that. Dark Knight. Yeah. Rabbit hole. And yeah, he's capable of being good, but a lot of times he's just like the handsome guy that gets put in romantic comedies or yep. bad action movies like Battle Los Angeles. And for that, that's good, but not great. Good job being good. Yeah. And so I think we're we're saying at this point, if we give it to him, uh, which we're not going to, <laughs> that like those good projects are going to be even fewer and further between going forward, and he's just going to keep being fine in movies that probably are less than fine. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he'll get nominated some other year. It's probably a pretty good chance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the people I wanted to put forward was John Favreau, uh, the director, not the uh, White House person. Um, so he's had like uh, kind of an up and down career already as a writer and an actor and uh, director, uh, and he seems to have kind of struck gold this year with um, the Jungle Book. Which, uh, kind of like Iron Man before it, was well-received enough that it's become kind of the template for what appears to be an unending deluge of Disney movies. Um, In this case, it's going to be uh, live-action adaptations of cartoons we've already seen. Um, I mean, it's already, like... Peach Dragon already came out this year. Like, they've already done two of those. Um, And Beauty and the Beast is not that far from now. And Jon Favreau himself is going to be doing, I think, a Jungle Book sequel and a live action, like Lion King or something. Yeah, both. He's doing Lion King and Jungle Book 2 back-to-back. Back-to-back. Also remember, Andy Serkis is still working on his Jungle Book film. Right. (laughs) And there's a whole other Jungle Book fucking tired of the jungle book <laughs> one was enough um and yeah so john favreau like you know he's he's good at what he does but uh like if it's just gonna be sequels and remakes f- forever maybe maybe it's time to say you've made it john lifetime achievement <laughs> um, Did you guys see chef last year I need to see it because I'm a Favreau completionist. There's a mildly pleasing movie. I think you'll have a fine time. <laughs> Except I'm not. Ugh, something that kind of grosses me out about it. He's he's like, he's probably at peak fatness in that one. Yet <laughs> his like ex-wife is Sofia Vergara, and then Scarlett Johansson's like kind of into him. It's like, dude, come on. They're not. That would never happen in real life. <laughs> How good is his food? It's, it's like, it's like the best. Okay, well, that's something. Yeah, he works at, like, a nice restaurant, but then, like, shit goes down, and so he, like, starts a food truck. And uh, it's a good time. Isn't that also a Bradley Cooper movie? <laughs> uh, 
Does he start a food truck in that one? I don't know. I'm just, I don't feel like he starts a food truck in that one. He's just a chef. Is it called like burnt? Something like that. I was trying to remember. I thought you for I, I got Bradley Cooper because he's Brad Garrett, as most of us often do. Happens <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Hey, he has been a chef. Yeah, that's been a chef. But any movie that stars Brad Garrett, like that's probably straight to DVD. <laughs> yeah. Probably has like Robert Loggia's last role in that. Uh, the next person we want to talk about was Julia Roberts. This year, Julia Roberts had uh, Money Monster and Mother's Day, mm-hmm. which has a, a very impressive. 6%? 16? Pretty low. 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, probably not too good. I think that was the last Gary Marshall movie. He died. Was that this year? It was this year. But yeah, I mean, this is the kind of crap she's just been making for a while. I, I really can't remember the last time I ever really liked Julia Roberts. I, maybe like Aaron Brockovich was fine. That's, that was like 16 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even then, she's never been one of my favorites. That's the thing about Julia Roberts. I feel like she did kind of the Sandra Bullock thing where she just kind of disappeared for a while and is now returning to us. I guess maybe it's like when you get into your early 40s, actresses are asked to not be relevant for a bit. Sandra Bullock has picked way better projects. Even The Blind Side was way more interesting than anything Julia Roberts has done in a while. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Sandra Bullock is probably also a better actress than Julia Roberts is. Yeah, Julia Roberts is just like for moms. <laughs> That's why she made Mother's Day. Yep, exactly. It was the, the perfect. It was the perfect scheme. The perfect heist. Hey, is she gonna be in that the Ocean's Eleven female thing? Because I know Sandra Bullock is. Who's gonna be the male equivalent of Julia Roberts? <laughs> like, it's, it's. I guess she's not gonna, probably gonna be involved. Yeah, I don't think they'd invite her because this is a totally different team. Who would you guys like to see as the male equivalent of Julia Roberts? If such a thing exists. Hmm. I don't know that it does. I mean, it can't be someone who is in the other Ocean's Eleven movies. Is it? Hmm. Is he too old? Is Richard Gere too old? Richard Gere is not <laughs> too old. He could do it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Just, you He's, know probably pretty old though i'm just thinking he did pretty woman and runaway bride so that's pretty julia roberts it's always been hard to tell how old he he is because he's been a silver fox for so long (laughs) but then i finally realized he was old when he was in best second best exotic pair of gold hotel yeah it's the sexy one yeah he was he was sexy old man (laughs) He probably like, took his shirt off and is like in kind of good shape. <laughs> and Maggie Smith's probably like, oh my. She falls back in a wheelchair. Oh man, that's probably a great movie. I saw the first one. It's, it's, it's mildly pleasing to the max. So he's 67. I would have guessed 70. Yeah, I guess that is a little younger than I was expecting. <laughs> Another actor who's probably getting up there is Rob Lowe, right? Yeah, yeah, Rob Lowe. 
I was feeling so good about Rob Lowe end of last year, beginning of this year. He had moved on from Pucks and Rec and those other weird shows that he was doing and started doing The Grinder, which just seems so great. How could anyone not enjoy The Grinder? And then it turned out nobody was watching The Grinder and it got canceled. And then Rob Lowe has kind of like reinvented himself as like trying to be like a sexy young man again. And he's on like a doctor show on like NBC. And uh, I've just, I've lost all interest in Rob Lowe. I feel like with the Grinders cancellation, uh, so ended my time being interested in Rob Lowe. And it's. I don't know why he always feels the need to walk away from the things that people like him for. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to leave West Wing. And then not be relevant for a handful of years. I'm going to leave Parks and Rec and then not be relevant. Well, I guess he was kind of relevant, but still, it's like, people like you on that show. Stay. Yeah, at least with West Wing, like, uh, it's it kind of sounds like he got screwed. Like, it sounds like he signed on to West Wing thinking he was going to be the star. And, like, he's probably, like, third or fourth in line to be the star on that show. Although it's a pretty ensemble show. Who's second in line? Well, I I think I think what I would say is that Martin Sheen is second in line. I, th- I think I would say Bradley Whitford is basically the star of that show. <laughs> John Spencer is also huge. Allison Janney, not Richard Schiff though. He's always kind of just around. Like Gunther on Friends? <laughs> no, more than Gunther on Friends. <laughs> Kevin on The Office? Am I getting warmer? You're getting warmer, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like Gary on Parks and Rec, or whatever they ended up with his name being. Ah, yeah. Funny. Okay. That answers my question. So whose line is it anyways still a show, apparently? I had no idea it was on this year. Sean's like the biggest fan, I think, on the planet Earth. Right? I just... Mm-hmm. I bet there's someone who's seen every episode yeah, it's of a the miracle. British and American show. It's a miracle that these... Uh, you know, the core three guys are still on the show. They're fucking old. Uh, Aisha Tyler is not as good as Drew Carey because it's way harder to make fun of a beautiful young woman than it is a pudgy dude with glasses. Um, but every once in a while, they have uh, a, a good couple of skits. And I feel like each season they've also had like one episode that was just straight up good. Um, since since the show's been revived on the CW, they have this new format of um, less bringing people from the audience on the stage and more bringing minor celebrities on the stage. Uh, and this year, their best episode was the one with Joey Fatone, who was absolutely bringing it, uh, firing <laughs> on all cylinders, did a great job. Um, do they do a lot of the same jokes because they play the same games every episode? Yes. Um, if you are like a serious improv fan, will it kind of piss you off what they're getting away with? 
Probably. Probably. But I hate the short form improv <laughs> ever since I started doing actual improv, which is why I can't really watch that show anymore. But they seem like pretty good at what they do. It's just like what they're doing isn't like really improv. You don't aim for jokes that hard when you're actually doing improv because you actually have to build a scene. But I don't want to get into improv 101. I'm sure they're a little frustrated too. I feel like whenever you see behind true, the scenes yeah. footage of the American version of Who's Line, Ryan Styles always seems seems pretty annoyed. Like he has to hold back. I feel like he could do way more if they let him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure those guys are all good at less gimmicky forms of improv. It's just it's kind of what people know them for, so they have to do it. And and to be fair to them, they also did try that with uh, Improvaganza, and it was so low watched, even on the game show <laughs> network. It was canceled after one season. I think I saw that one. That was one with a lot of like heavy piano accompaniment. Yeah, there were some good sketches from that. There were. Uh, look up the song "Dust Storm." It's one of the best improvised songs I've ever heard. I like the sketch with the Cyclops. If you. um but those were uh none of those people had mildly pleasing lifetime achievement like the person we already decided was our winner and you know we said we weren't going to dwell on the bad stuff about 2016 too much but we did want to give uh the lifetime achievement in mild pleasure to hillary clinton I mean, I mean, she gave it a go. Like, I didn't, I didn't like her that much, but at least she made it seem like she's like, oh, I'm gonna work. Like, I'm gonna use some of Bernie's platforms and 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 put that into you know my campaign, and we're gonna work towards build a better future. And like, it's like, ah, not that sold, but okay, this sounds okay. And then yeah, and then just all goes down in flames. She did win the popular vote. She won the popular a vote. Very large margin. Two million people. <laughs> but. I think it's closer to three billion at this point, but yeah, that's America for you. It's such a it's such a scary time. I'm so scared. I hate all the people that are like, "Oh, the election's over. We can finally we're finally done with this." No, it's just getting like, started. No, dude. no. What are you talking about? This is it just... hasn't even started. Oh, it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. Mm-hmm. So, uh, congrats, Hillary. At least you want something. <laughs> she she tried. She tried her hardest. But she still lost to a fucking rich white dude. Uh, I could just do a whole podcast listing the things I hate about Donald Trump, but let's not let's not do that. It's very easy. <laughs> so easy. It was easy to do before I even started running for president. We we bring him on the on this podcast all the time as like the number one jerk in pop mm-hmm. culture. And now a number one jerk in politics, which is terrifying. Yeah. But one guy we all like and always brings a smile to our faces is George Clooney. Yeah. So he's not nominated for Lifetime Achievement. Uh, we're moving on to the uh, the actor category. Mm-hmm. And our first nominee is George Clooney, specifically for his performance in Money Monster. Why well, is he in something else? I don't feel like he did anything else this year, did he? 
I'm just just laying all my cards on the table. Just checking. <laughs> um, so I've already told you guys a story, but it's kind of a funny story. Basically, the whole reason I watched Money Monster, uh, it was a total accident. I had my TV on a different input because I have it on one input for the Amazon Fire Stick, one for the Wii. I was playing the Wii, and then I went back to Fire Stick, and I kept pressing buttons, and I was like, what's going on? Why would I turn on? Not realizing I was on the wrong input, and on the other screen... I rented Money Monster. Uh, luckily, it was on like it was on like sale, so it was like two ninety nine. So it wasn't so bad. Uh, but then the movie is bad, uh, and uh, George Clooney kind of plays like uh, this Jim Cramer type character who has this financial show, but way more dancing. Like he spends half of the movie dancing because <laughs> they keep showing clips from like past episodes. Because they're like, I want to go to episode such and such to when you said this. And like, he's always dancing at the beginning. That's how he comes out and introduces his show. So, <laughs> some pretty good clips. I'm surprised there's not more memes from like George Clooney, like just dancing. It's pretty good. Uh, and he, he's solid. This is kind of a weird movie. Uh, I think, I mean, just like a recap, I think everyone kind of knows, but it's like about a guy who uh, got in, inherited a bunch of money and then uh, put it all into this company and then that. You know, the stocks went, you know, bad and he lost all his money and George Clooney, he blames him for like telling him to do that. And then like he goes in there and puts dynamite on him and blah 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 starts like wants demands and answers and his money back and probably the most interesting thing I heard about was someone's like, This movie would have been edgy in the eighties which I like the idea, but it's like I don't think those kind of like shows existed though. But I get what they mean. Like it feels more like a seventies, eighties, like this feels more like it'd be a better like like a network type movie, you know, where it's like, I, I, I don't know, just like a, a, a crazed man on the TV, you know, maybe if they made it in like the late seventies, it could have been like George C. Scott. <laughs> I'm not giving you your money back. I don't have your money. But uh, anyways, yeah, George Clooney, he's fine. He gives, he does the same stuff he always does. Like, you know, he gives like his smuggle grins, but he's also like pretty serious and very calm um, and great dancer. So uh, it's okay. You know, I like him. He's always fun to watch on camera. What about Taron Edgerton in Eddie the Eagle? I guess it came out very early last this year. Like February, probably. Yeah. Okay, so Eddie the Eagle is basically uh, Cool Runnings beat for beat. It's pretty much the exact same movie. <laughs> it's because uh, it's about like a guy who was like training for the Olympics but wasn't you know, messed up in his category or wasn't good enough in his category. Found a loophole. It's like, hey, I can, like, he was like, he was on a ski team, but he was, like, terrible. So he's like, but I can do the ski long jump because no British people do that. So he does that. And then he meets a drunken coach who used to be great. And then he does it, and he gets fucking last place. But it's, like, so inspirational. It's exactly cool. <laughs> what is the drunken coach? Was that Hugh Jackman? Okay. Yeah, his person isn't, this is a true story, but his character is fictional. Um, there's no way there's like a guy that cool in competitive skiing. Uh-huh. And Taron Edgerton is kind of fun to watch. He's a big nerd, so I like that. He's like got a goofy mustache and glasses. I couldn't believe, I didn't know who he was at the time. I couldn't believe he's the same guy from, from Kingsman, right? That's, that was his first big role. Yeah, he's a fancy child uh, who does kind of rapey stuff. Well, nothing like that in here, but it just shows he's got some versatility, which is nice. So I think, I think he could be good in the future. Uh, he was almost Han Solo. He was one of the frontrunners. 
Uh, he's fine. It's just kind of like a bleh kind of. It's just Cool Runnings again. Just watch Cool Runnings. It's the same movie. So yeah, that's Taron Edgerton. Remember that name. No relation to Joel Edgerton, but it's not spelled the same. Duh. No D. So Sean, what do you think of Ben Affleck and Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice? If I could be totally impartial, I would say he's great. Uh, but my problem is I'm extremely partial, and I think it's the stupidest Batman ever. Why is it so stupid? Um. Well, so what you need to know about Batman v Superman, which I maybe we have talked about it on a podcast, maybe we haven't, is that it's set in a hyper-violent, hyper-masculine version of Gotham. Like, this, this is a version where... It, batman's parents aren't unjustly murdered where instead batman's dad took a swing at the mugger which got him and and batman's mom killed and what that's resulted in is a batman character who's i guess been doing this for a while and he's just like given up on justice and so he, he does things like kill people with guns and brand them so that they could get killed in jail and works out by pounding a giant tire with a sledgehammer (laughs) and it's just we've gotten so far away from this like batman's supposed to be an intellectual character like he's a detective and there is some detecting going on in this movie but it's all being done by wonder woman um because Batman is too busy uh, trying to prove that he's stronger than Superman. Just pounding it. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't sure. I think I put Ben Affleck on this list because I wanted to try to think of one good thing in that movie. But maybe he's, he's too good. Like, I, yeah, the character isn't written well, but I think performance-wise, Ben Affleck does a good job of being a lot of a weight performance i mean weight as in like physical weight i mean as an emotional weight like physical weight too he got pretty diesel he did get big he's he's a bulky batman which i like i like a bull i don't you know i don't need a lean like non-pack batman i like a big bulky no it's it's his costume is cool because it it doesn't look like armor like the the last series did it looks more like the way it does in the comics it looks like dark knight returns batman which is cool and yeah, he's just he's serious, but he doesn't do like a "Where are they?" kind of voice. Like it's it's fun to watch. It's just a shame he had to play Batman in like one of the worst Batman movies ever made, or whatever this is—a Batman Superman mashup movie. You know, so I'm hoping his his uh, spinoff is good. But I'm worried for all of those DC movies. I feel like. Ugh, they do not have a, a, a good person at the helm of that ship. So, uh, but you know, he's he's doing his best. I think it's one of Ben Affleck's better roles. So maybe he's, he's actually too good. Um, you know, in his first first good superhero role. What about Bennett Cumberbatch in his first superhero role? Unless you consider Sherlock a superhero. I kind of do. I, I Mainly I love pointing out to people something that they're all aware of which is that the two modern sherlock holmes are both marvel superheroes now iron man and doctor strange um 
Yeah, we've talked about it before, but our problem with Benedict Cumberbatch in Doctor Strange is that um, he's doing an American-ish accent. <laughs> and it comes and it goes, and it sounds a lot like Hugh Laurie's American-ish accent as Doctor House. I love that so much. Because it's like, isn't the character at least start out like a, as a jerk? Yeah. At least he, yeah. in the comics. So he's just like House. He's mm-hmm. a jerk doctor. He's the jerk doctor who's always the smartest guy in the room. And he makes fun of people for not being as smart as he is. Um, and doesn't believe in chakras or magic. And it's just... It's, it's a weird performance uh, from an actor who's typically pretty great. Um, really the only other time I had a problem with his performance was the last time he played a like super powered type character which was Khan in star trek into darkness which I, but at least there it was like an over-the-top villain so it was it was more fine um but yeah they clearly wanted this to be the next tony stark and it just doesn't work as well you know it's funny i was looking through old podcast episodes and i found one we did from 2012 we're talking about superheroes and back then I mentioned that Patrick Dempsey was trying to, uh, like on social media, get people to, to, I don't know, petition him to be Doctor Strange in a Doctor Strange movie. Would he have been better? <laughs> Probably not. What is the last time he started a movie? Like that Maid of Honor thing from 2000? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he just wanted it because, like, I need a solution or my career's going to be over. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Maybe people can recognize <laughs> that. This is tough because I feel, I mean, I didn't see the movie, but I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch, like, physically looks exactly like Doctor Strange. So I wonder who they could have got that could have been better or what they could have changed about the character. Or maybe he could have just tried harder to learn an American accent. Or maybe he could have just been British. He's not. There's nothing quintessentially it's American true. about Doctor Strange. No, not really. Wouldn't have changed really anything. Like I don't think I would have questioned it if I if he was just a British doctor working in New York. I, there, yeah. I'm so sure there are plenty of those. Another example of this is Professor X. Like he's American in the comics, and they yeah. cast Patrick Stewart. And like maybe they could have asked him to do a weird English accent, but they're like, no, that that like people know what you sound like enough that that would be weird anyway. <laughs> and I think the thing is, it's like Doctor Strange. No one knew who that was, so no, most people weren't going to even notice. So it's like it's you're just appeasing like the, the the super fans, but I feel like you disappointed them by making you just. Yeah, and. <laughs> Like, all the Marvel superheroes are white dudes who live in New York anyway. Like, making him British actually makes him stand out a little bit. <laughs> what if Chuetel Ejiofor had been Doctor Strange? Because isn't he in the movie? Yeah, he's playing mm-hmm. Baron Mordo. I, is anyone else in the movie good? Or are they just all okay, too? I mean, that that's my thing about Doctor Strange, is it ha- it had the best cast, and they're all great. With the exception of Benedict Cumberbatch. Ooh, maybe <laughs> what if Mads Mikkelsen had been Doctor Strange and seen a bad guy? I mean, I would have loved it. America might have been terrified. <laughs> Check out the new horror movies. <laughs> yeah, like Chuetel Ejiofor plays a character who has like meaningful conflict. 
uh, Tilda Swinton's in it, playing badass martial artist. Uh, even even Rachel McAdams has like the bit like sort of love interest role, but it's actually a lot better than those typically are. And she's not really a love interest either. So good ass movie. Well, no, good ish movie. <laughs> good ish movie. No, not ass ish. <laughs> Let's move on to another actor that people are uh, terrified of. Uh, not, uh, yeah, Michael Shannon <laughs> for Elvis and Nixon, a movie that does not need to exist. Um, <laughs> There's barely enough plot to take it past 10 minutes. It's just a movie made from a picture. It's basically that's, it's a not picture much else made in into there. a movie. And the reason weird. I wanted to talk about it um, is this is like kind of supposed to be like a goofy comedy. It's like, oh, can you believe they met and took that picture? Whoa. <laughs> but like to me, this was like the most depressing movie of the year because I didn't realize how fucked up elvis was on drugs and just like he was so far removed from like what was acceptable in reality like he goes to the airport with like a gun and stuff and thinks that's okay and it's like doing all these drugs and well it's mainly the gun he's bringing it out all the time like flashing it at people it's like this is a man <laughs> who is battling some demons but they're treating him like he's like oh he's a, he's a big joker though he's just joking around elvis i mean the whole plot of this movie is he wants to meet Nixon, so he can become like, um, I think he called it agent at large. It's like <laughs> mm-hmm. that is not a sane person that wants that. Like, what does that even mean? He wanted to go undercover as agent at large, and like I feel like so you got that. And but then the conflict of the movie is like Nixon doesn't want to meet him because like that's when he has his. <laughs> it's like that time of day. <laughs> He can't meet him at some other time? Or did it just have to be on his one <laughs> that day? time, he's like, I don't want to do it. I just want to take my nap. <laughs> and Kevin Spacey's Nixon. He's fine. I always like Nixon impressions. They're always fun. I don't know if anybody ever quite nails it, but they're always entertaining. Uh, and it's basically like Elvis's uh, like tour manager, who's played by Alex Pettiferer, trying to just like, help make this happen for elvis because it means a lot to him because he's insane and then like nixon's advisors be like oh this will be great publicity for you and nixon's advisors are evan peters and colin hanks I'm like no nice so, so it's like okay cast and they meet and it's like goofy and they're like drinking dark pepper and they take the picture and it like ends um and then what's really weird is like it has like how long is this movie <laughs> uh, it's probably like 90 minutes but in my mind it's like 30 it's like a half hour um, <laughs> the plot summary on Wikipedia is literally three sentences long. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, what's so weird about this movie is it ends with text, you know, saying what happened after that. It's like, did we need this? We know what happened. Like, we know about Watergate and that Elvis died. But it brings up all that stuff. But then it brings up like, extra stuff. Like, it brings up the Colin Hanks character and the Evan Peters stuff. It's like, they both went to jail for a year. And it's like in this movie they're played up as like fun and like goofy and like bumbling. It's like and then it's like but they were Yeah, Watergate, man. It's just so weird because none of that is like played up in the movie. None of like the paranoia like shit and like sneaking around. It wasn't that kind of movie. It was just like a lighthearted like wh- like why did this is the tonal nightmare. Why would you end a movie like this? <laughs> it just like a movie's a fucking mess. But Michael Shannon as scary as he can be sometimes, it's like kind of fun. Like, I kind of feel like I haven't really even talked about this before. But it's, 
He's kind of fun. Uh, he's a little creepy, maybe a little too tall. He kind of looks like the Grim Reaper sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> he's having fun, and I had a little fun. I had a little fun. <laughs> Alright, now to go back to your original question, John. Who is the scarier actor? Mads Mikkelsen or Michael Shannon? I would I, be more scared to meet Michael Shannon. So would I. So would I. I, he's I, from, like, would, I would go with Mads Mikkelsen. He seems more mysterious eyes. to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Oh. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, so who... Uh, Who's the most mildly pleasing actor? I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch got a lot of a lot of good points there. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's that bad. It's bad. just okay. that accent kills it. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like we thought Ben Affleck was too good. Yeah, it seemed pretty high on a. I never saw that. Movie. You also seem pretty positive about Taron Egerton, so I think so. Both Clooney. those Has two Clooney are won this yet? I think we like him too much. <laughs> mildly pleased award. He, he was. We we brought it up, and I thought about it as soon as we stopped talking about it. He was in Hail Caesar this year, and he was really good. In That's Caesar. I don't know then. Michael Shannon. <laughs> For his dark portrayal of America's <laughs> clown. I think I'd go Cumberbatch. Okay. I'm fine with that. But uh, that's also the only movie of these I've seen. Wow. So I guess it's pretty much the only one I can go with with any authority. What's weird to me about this batch for this year's Mildly Pleased Awards, I feel like all these actors are genuinely pretty good actors most of the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Like usually we have someone who's just like, eh, you know, like I'll yeah, like we, an example. We, we gave Gina Carano a Mildly Pleased Award. She wasn't even like an actress at that point. <laughs> or like Channing Tatum, like he's like he's like fine, but he's, I wouldn't say he's an amazing usually. actor. But these are yeah. this is a solid group. Mm-hmm. We expect more. Come on, guys. <laughs> Let's move on to the ladies for most mildly pleasing actress. First up, we have Kristen Wiig for Ghostbusters. Did Ghostbusters deserve the hate it got? No. Nah. Because, like, well, yes, because it got that hate before the movie even came out. And it was all pretty much based on the idea that they're women. So, yes, it was all sexism. I'm sure they had that excuse of like, Ghostbusters was my childhood. It's not that it has anything to do with this being women. It's just because uh, they're remaking it. It's like, dude. Which is fucking bullshit. Yes, it is total bullshit. I bet if they remade it with fucking Seth Rogen and Bill Hader and shit, like, no one would care. We don't even have to bet that. We know that because there were 10 million remakes that came out this year and nobody gave a fuck about any of them. But Ghostbusters was treated like the end of the goddamn world. Yeah, it was, uh... (laughs) Yeah, not a great year for women. Something interesting is I really wanted to know if this was better than Ghostbusters 2 
So I watched both of them, and I think it is better than Ghostbusters 2. This new Ghostbusters is more like, just it, it moves briskly. It's 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 funny. It's not like super funny, but like, and the, the effects I thought looked pretty good. It's sharp. Like, it's a well-made movie. Ghostbusters 2 is weird. It's a weird movie, but... But it's, you know, it's got the original guys. It's from the old times. So it's... it's got guys with penises in it. It's good. So many penises. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, this is a fine movie. And the actresses were fine in it. I picked Chris in the wig. Um, I don't know. I guess she was the, because she was just kind of the straight woman in it. She wasn't like the, the wacky one. Not that Liz McCarthy was super wacky in it, but I feel like she's a little more wacky. Plus, she's been nominated for this award enough times. <laughs> which is too bad, because she's a very good actress. She just happens to yeah. do a lot of other projects aren't, aren't as good or just okay mm-hmm. you know Kristen Wiig it's funny like I I think like everybody I loved her on SNL but her acting career has been a little kind of I just, I just feel kind of neutral about it a lot of just kind of I don't know not she's I mean it's like I respect that she kind of has taken weird projects like she's done a lot of weird indie movies that no one has really seen yeah skeleton That's, twins was really good that was a good movie and i don't know i don't know if there would have if she could be taking more like melissa mccarthy type roles i mean i guess it's just weird to me that the kind of characters she's famous for playing are not the kind of characters she ever does in movies mm-hmm. she plays like more serious. I mean, like, oh, Bridesmaids is pretty good. Yeah, and she wrote that. Yeah, that's my favorite post-SNL performance from her. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm always down. Like, I, it's like when I see her in the cast, I'm like, okay, this would be interesting. She always has something interesting to bring. Um, and she was fine in Ghostbusters. Fine movie. Okay movie. We'll talk about it, I guess, a little bit more in a bit. <laughs> But now we're going back to Money Monster again with Julia Roberts. I don't really feel the need to talk more about this. Julia Roberts played um, the producer of... Uh, I can't even remember the name of the sh- show that George Clooney Wasn't had. Wasn't called Money Monster? It was called Money Monster. <laughs> okay. um, I don't remember like what his name was. George Money. <laughs> George Money? <laughs> Welcome to Money Monster with George Money. Watch me do the Macarena. This movie sounds great, by the way. I don't know why it's so bad. Check out the dancing. You'll like the dancing. All right, I'll look up the dancing. I'm sure there's some good (laughs) gifts. Like of him dressed like a boxer and like doing a little choreograph. Like, I'm fighting, I don't know, the banks. Lee Gates was the name of his character. But yeah, Julie Roberts, producer. She's fine. She's kind of like, she has to keep like, uh, everything together, like the crew, and make sure people don't lose it, and like try to talk to this crazed uh, gunman, Jack O'Connell, I think it is, who is never going to break out in America because he's just been in the worst movies, despite the fact that he's pretty good. You know, she's just she's just serious, whatever. She's fine. I mean, this isn't a movie that anyone went to for the performances. I mean, they went because it had celebrities in it, but they're just like they're just picking up their money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Another thing that has a title that sounds like it has monsters in it, but it doesn't have monsters in it, is the Neon Demon. <laughs> Elle Fanning. There's no... Sorry, guys. There's no demon in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elle Fanning, I like. 
I think the first time I ever became aware of her like as a, a talented actress was uh, Super 8. And she's been picking roles that I feel like she'll she'll be a big star, you know. Her star's on the rise. But this movie's weird. Uh, it's Nicholas Winning Ref in Drive, Only God Forgives. Beautiful looking, great 80s synth sounds. But uh, it doesn't really have anything interesting to say. It's like, oh, but like modeling is like really tough. Like everyone's like really shallow and like, like backhanded and stabbing back blah 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 it's like yeah this is this has all been done like in better movies this is- yeah fucking Zoolander man Zoolander even yeah you know it's like we <laughs> we know we know models we know we Belle Fanning's fine she like probably says like three words in the whole movie she mostly <laughs> just stands there and poses um, I think I told you guys uh, something that was kind of funny about this was uh, I had it on kind of the background and there's for 20 minutes I didn't notice the sound was off I actually muted the TV it just felt like this. Oh yeah, well this movie's awkward and weird and has like big quiet gaps. <laughs> so I thought it was normal. It wasn't, but you know, it looks pretty. Elle Fanning's pretty. She's she's a good actress. Uh, but yeah, not a good movie. What about Fantastic Beasts? There's definitely monsters in that one. Yeah, there were. Finally, some of the best performances were by the monsters. Um, not Catherine Watterson, our nominee. I would say that she was fine. Um, and I don't know if I want to lay the blame on her or the writing when it comes to Fantastic Beasts. Let's blame it on the writing. Okay, so she's good. So I like Catherine Watterson. Yes, from what I've seen of her so far, I think she's, she seems pretty good. Um, but yeah. she has this um, arc in the movie about like, she's like, you know, basically an ex magic cop, and it's not—it's not even clear like if she really wants to get her job back, and it's not clear if she's like falling in love. I, I just—I never—I didn't get it. I mean, she's just in there because you need a female character in there, right? No, there's another oh, character who's filling that void. <laughs> there's another. Oh yeah. There's another character who's literally just like, like a like Marilyn Monroe style ditzy, and <laughs> she's just like she's just there to fall in love with Dan Fogler. Dan Fogler. Dan mm. Fogler is MVP on Fantastic Beasts. I don't know if that word has gotten around to you yet. It hasn't. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good in it, surprisingly. <laughs> Yeah, I would say it's just like the character was kind of not very fully formed like a lot of parts of this movie. But they had to make it because money. Money, money monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Sam Watterson was proud? Probably. He seems like a pro- he's a pretty good dad. I'm sure if he mm-hmm. was disappointed, he would never let her know. He'd hide it. I mean, he's, he's literally an actor. I'm sure that Catherine Watson has no idea how he feels about anything because he can hide his emotions so well. I mean, probably better than anyone, right? In, like, history. Probably. Uh, yeah, I've seen the newsroom, and let me tell you, it is hard. Like, sometimes you think he's joking around, but he's actually really angry. He's a scary fellow. To drink a beer with that guy, huh? 
far away from that guy. Like in the same room, but kind of staring him down. He's got to peek over. Like, is that Sam Waters over there? <laughs> That's what <laughs> I. It's pretty mad. He's got thick ass eyebrows. Speaking of hiding uh, in plain sight, how about <laughs> Kirsten Dunst in Midnight Special? I like how we can't move on to something unless we have a segue. We're like, we'll sit there for a couple seconds thinking like, it's got to be something. It's like coming up with a segue is more awkward than if we just moved on to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> we can't just move on. So God, the thing about Kirsten Dunst in Midnight Special is like she actually gives a pretty good performance. Uh, but it's like not really in the advertising that she's in this movie and literally everyone who's seen it that I've talked to is like, oh yeah, she was in that. So she's just forgotten. Like, and I think that's because she doesn't really affect the plot at all. She's just along for the ride and she doesn't even get on the ride until halfway through it. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot she was in it, but yeah, I remember now. Hell yeah, mildly pleased awards, baby. <laughs> That's what it's all about. It's like you're like not quite enthused, but you're like, okay, yeah. I'm not disappointed. But does that clench the award for her or should we give it to someone else? Uh get, I, I don't feel care. like you gotta be at least like a little memorable. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know if forgettable equals mildly pleasing. Okay, well, so yeah, my two nominees were, were Kirsten Dunst and Catherine Larson. I think both of them, you could blame the writing more than you would blame their performance. Because mm-hmm. I feel like the big problem in Hollywood is usually that women characters aren't written as well. It's not always the actress's fault. So I don't know. If you give it to Julia Roberts, then Money Monster wins the actor and actress. <laughs> Did it? I thought we got gave it to Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, yeah. never mind. Should I go back and change it to G. Clue? Eh, I like. I like the Batch winning the actor award. But does that mean you still want to give it to Julia Roberts? Fine. Like I don't care. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not supposed to, right? I mean, we didn't give her the Lifetime Achievement Award. Gotta give her something, yeah. She'll be on the ballot next year, probably. Not I don't know sure. what she has lined up. I'm sure something boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny how most of these... Uh, we're moving on now to the final, the big category. Uh, the most mildly pleasing film of the year. And it's funny, we've, we've ended up talking about most of these, at least a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but the first one on our list is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which um, has some good parts, but I think was totally undone by the fact that they want it to be the first in a five-part franchise instead of an actual standalone film. But you can read my thoughts on the blog. What are your thoughts, Kong? Uh, yeah, I agree with that just because I, yeah, yeah, like kind of just everything about it 
almost felt like half finished. Maybe that was intentional. Like, what were these characters trying to accomplish? What, like, I don't. Maybe it's extra confusing for me because I don't know much about the Harry Potter lore. I didn't really know what was going on with the Society of Wizards either. I guess I, you know, I like the monsters. Those were cool. I mean, they did. They were very CG-ish monsters, but they were fun. I guess. Yeah, I kind of wish some of them could have been puppets, like sock just a puppets. A little bit. Yeah, like sock puppets. Right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dragon. Like, yeah, they didn't really try to hide it that much. Which, whatever, you can't expect puppets in this day and age. Uh, yeah, it was all right. Sounds about right. Do I feel like should I need to, do I need to see it? No, don't think you do. Okay, hopefully, I'll just it'll just be like on like some streaming service someday. I can just kind of put on the background and not really pay attention. That's the mm-hmm. plan right now. <laughs> um, the next one is Ghostbusters. Again, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, we specifically talked about Kirsten, or, uh, Kristen Wiig and um, Melissa McCarthy a little bit. And I think that's because the other two members of the team are much better, or at least much funnier in the movie. And that's uh, Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon. Uh, of course, Kate McKinnon is definitely the best part of SNL these days. Um and she's probably the best part of this movie, but I think uh, Leslie Jones, as we were all worried that Leslie Jones was going to be playing like kind of a stereotype, you know, loud, sassy black lady part, but actually she played uh, a much more complicated character that I think got a lot more of the laughs than I was expecting her to. She's great. The only thing I thought, yeah, they were, they were fine. You know, what I thought was lame. Chris Hemsworth's character was like too stupid. It wasn't even funny stupid. It was just this is just dumb. Like when he's like designing logos, it's like no one yeah. is this stupid. No one is this handsome, but this dumb. It doesn't work like that. No way he'd be able to perform all the maintenance required to maintain that that beauty. I'm not buying it. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the villain either. I wasn't familiar with that actor. It's like, yeah, okay, get funny here. Well, and then they kill him off immediately and make Chris Hemsworth the villain. Yeah. Hey, what about Bill Murray being in there as the debunker guy? Uh, I feel like he let his costume do all the acting in that movie. <laughs> like, look, I got one of those cigarette holder things. I think he had one of those. Like he was probably the the most plot impactful of the original cast, which they all the living members of the uh, main cast except Rick Moranis cameoed. Um, but I I kind of like like the Dan Aykroyd one or the Sigourney Weaver one more than the Bill Murray. Um yeah, you know it's all fine, whatever. It's a, I thought it was a nice tribute to the original movies. I, I, I've heard a lot of people complaining about the ghost, but I thought that was one of the better parts of the movie. I thought they looked really cool. I mean, yeah, they weren't puppets, which was disappointing because you guys know how I feel about puppets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they looked good. 
I thought the effects were good. It was a yeah, fine movie. I like the ghosts too. Uh, the, actually, I wish they had less nods to the original movie. Like the scene where they come up with the Ghostbusters logo is bad. And the part where they end up saying, I ain't afraid of no ghost is kind of cringe inducing. Uh, I wish it had more freedom to just be its own movie. They probably felt some pressure to, uh, I'm sure they felt enormous pressure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, don't forget like this movie was in development hell for like 30 years. Like <laughs> Sony has been trying to make this happen forever. And of all the ways it could have turned out, this is one of the better ways. One thing I think we can all agree on is the great song collaboration, uh, Ghostbusters song, Fall Out Boy and Missy Elliott. <laughs> yeah. Inspired. Perfect. <laughs> so we're all, it's what we're all asking for, you know? Mm-hmm. But were we all asking for a Jungle Book movie? I liked the Jungle Book movie. I know you guys didn't like it as much. Why is that? Hmm. Is it too artificial? I think that's part of it. Is it just, I don't know, like a movie that's supposed to inspire this kind of wonder about like nature, but like everything's fake. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think there's a certain artificial layer that makes it hard to love. I mean, I feel like all the voice acting's really good and. Like the kid who's in it isn't isn't very good, but it's like I'm sure it's hard to expect an eight year old kid to act well against nothing. And uh, yeah, who could ever expect an eight year old to have imagination? It's true. Come on, kid, Just act like he's they're your imaginary friends. So, well, speaking of the uh, voice cast, I love pointing out to people that. Uh, three of the top grossing movies this year starred Idris Elba as an animal in Finding Dory, The Jungle Book, and Zootopia. Wow, you better turn into an animal in Dark Tower. That movie's screwed. (laughs) Yeah. It's like turn into a frog. Like, hello, my baby. But, uh, yeah. What's Michigan J. Frog making his comeback? (laughs) love to see that movie feature like film they just call it jay michigan <laughs> Song I just yeah, like like jay hook like jay Edgar, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> gritty reboot. it's a trilogy in the last ones too so in the last one are we is the last one the part in the future of, <laughs> of the cartoon short where yeah it's like it spans so much 2050. time yeah. It's about how this fucking singing frog just destroyed so many lives over the course of all these years. They probably also add a bunch of other weird subplots that don't have anything to do with anything. I mean, they kind of have to to split it up to four movies from a five minute short. <laughs> Unless the entire thing is just in slow motion. Oh, the trailer? The trailer does one of those things where it's like they take an upbeat song, but it's like super serious. So it's like. Yeah. Hello, my baby. <laughs> it's a child's chorus singing it. Okay, not to go off on a tangent, but I'm, we're already on some weird tangent to begin with, so let's go a little deeper. Mm-hmm. 
I saw the worst uh, offender, in my opinion, of that weird fad of let's take a, a an upbeat song and make it moody for a trailer. Mm-hmm. Have you guys heard of the movie A Cure for Wellness? Uh-uh. It's no. the new Gore Verbinski movie. It comes out January, February. It stars like that. Double the weird. Sign. What? <laughs> it stars the um, the weird kid from Chronicle. He's been in some stuff. I can't remember okay. his name. And basically, he's like looking for someone at this weird retreat that people go to. Kind of like this weird, like isolated, like spa type place. But there's like weird, like sciencey shit going on there. It's really spooky, kind of like hospital place. And in the trailer, they have a woman seeing an incredibly serious version of I Wanna Be Sedated 24 <laughs> Hours. And it sounds horrible. It, it's like, it looks like it might be an interesting movie. It's probably not. But like, that totally fucking ruins it. I Wanna Be Sedated. They're like trying as hard as they can to make it minor notes. Like Jesus yeah. Christ, but that's the age we live in, and that's what's going to be in the Michigan J. Frog movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, you guys saw The Shallows without me, which I was totally fine with. You guys, you know, you guys were like, "We're going to go see The Shallows." I'm like, "I'll sit this one up." Yeah, Colin, you don't get to see The Shallows. Suck on that. The Shallows. I don't know. I thought it was just going to be a butt movie. But it turned out to be a goofy shark movie. You mean you just thought it was going to be Blake Lively's butt? Divine butt movie. It's just, not a genre I'm familiar with. Oh, you know, like that other one where it's just lady surfers and it's like, look at their butts. Blue Crush? Yeah, that one. <laughs> well, I, I did hear some people complain about the shallow saying like, oh, Blake Lively like, looks like a model in all that shots. I was like, well, she kind of is. Like, I mean, that's the, what did you expect her to do? Like saying like she's like too attractive like in these shots, like I should I should be scared but I have like a boner though. <laughs> Can't control it. This this is like a pretty this is like as thin as plots get you know you have a um, a woman who was was in like med school but like doesn't want to finish it and she's gone on some vacation trying to like I guess run away from her life and uh, she goes surfing and. On this hella isolated beach. Hella isolated beach in, like, Mexico. And, like, oh, my gosh, shark attack. <laughs> and she ends up on, like, a buoy for a big chunk of it. And, like, floating around on, like, a whale corpse. And uh, just trying to survive. She can't make it. She's, like, pretty close to the uh, to the beach, but just can't quite make it. And that shark is a great way. It's, like, there. It's, like, fucking intense. Yeah, and, like, there's not much to the plot. But what I appreciate is I think they came up with a good amount of things for the character to do and to happen to her. Were there any moments that stick out in your mind, Sean? Um, there's a part where a guy's swimming and the shark comes and bites him clean in half and the shark's humongous and it's amazing. I was trying to remember, I feel like there's a funny scene, maybe not funny, maybe disturbing, with like a drunk guy, but I can't remember how that ended, but I feel like I had a good ending. Like, yeah, the drunk guy, I think it's that's the scene we're talking about. Oh, that's the, the drunk... guy, he got, so he got bit in half. Yeah. He wanders onto the beach and he sees all her stuff and she's she's calling for help but he, she's far enough away that he doesn't understand her and so he like steals all her stuff and he for some reason this like goes for a little little swim before he gets away with all the stuff and the shark just comes and bites him in half and then later you see him crawling onto the beach and like oh maybe he's okay and then the camera pans up and he's just half a body. 
Isn't he like crawling, but he's only got half of his body? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it's like good for, like for that. Like this would be a good movie if it was like super hot day. Like, gotta get out of the sun. Gotta just like, kill some time for ninety minutes. So you go and you go in this and you have fun and then you forget about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. very disposable. <laughs> but it was like a good time. Oh, it was loved... shot well. It looked really good. I remember there was like a weird thing they did for like, uh, like. What do you call that? Like the video on their their phones. They used like mm-hmm. a weird. I can't remember how they, they visualized it on screen, but it looked really weird. Yeah, isn't there a part where they're they're like doing a FaceTime and it's like, it's really confusing how like you're seeing it from both cameras and also, like the third camera that you know that's the movie camera. There was definitely something going on. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so that was kind of weird, but yeah, I think you're right. Visually, it looked good. Love the bird sidekick. Yeah, they didn't kill the bird off, which everyone thought they were going to. That was so nice. And uh, it ends, like, good, but, like, kind of cheesy. Because, like, Dad's like, you're going back to medical school. I'm so proud. <laughs> more, more, more sharks <laughs> jumping and biting. <laughs> uh, it's good, though, because it's not a movie you can make a sequel to, I hope. Uh, that's what they said about the first season of 24. Maybe. like Just like Jack Bauer, she's going to keep ending up in these. Maybe the water's going to get more shallow. <laughs> We're just kind of walking. <laughs> waiting. Waiting, just like a plane waiting in the water. Oh! Boom. Sully, our final nominee. This is the true story of Sully Sullenberger. The brave genius pilot who landed on the Hudson River. Uh, you could probably tell this movie was just going to be okay when they changed the title from Miracle on the Hudson to Sully. They're like, nah, that's let's not go with something that's distinct and memorable and actually describes the event. Let's just let's just go with the name that people remember. Mm-hmm. It's a Clint Eastwood film. Which I was a little surprised because I kind of thought Clint Eastwood said he was done. But he's not slowing down. I have a theory that Clint Eastwood is actually dead and there's some sort of weekend at Bernie's thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> Who's directing his movies then? So like drug is it Ron Howard? <laughs> Ron Howard? <laughs> Why Ron Howard? <laughs> his movies are directed by drug why would a drug teen direct Sully for the paycheck okay yeah you see now you're that's making sense it's all making sense money, money, money. so I, I was sort of interested in this movie but I you know I haven't seen it um, something I'm wondering about is is there really enough like drama in that story to make it like a movie I mean aside from the incident itself like is there enough in the aftermath to to warrant a film not really like all the scenes of the actual event are pretty cool just watching it all go down in flashback so much so that they basically do it like twice Mm -hmm. just just to fill up time in the movie i also because there isn't that much else that's has a ton of conflict in it you just reminded me though this movie came out like right around 9 11 and one of the 
ways they insert a conflict into the movie is that they've given uh, Sully like some sort of PTSD. And the movie literally opens with a shot of his plane crashing into buildings in Manhattan. And it, like like the movie, I think, came out on like not, September 10th or something. It was so close to 9-11. I was just flabbergasted that they put that fictional scene in this movie. Uh, the other drama they, they insert is this um, FAA uh, hearing uh, where they're going to decide if he made the right decision to land on the Hudson or not. Um, so in, in that sense, it's kind of like flight. But I, I, th- I think in, in real life, people didn't actually care that much about the hearing because pretty much everybody loved him. Mm-hmm. And the prosecutors and are Colin. Help me out here. Mike O'Malley. Mike O'Malley. And, and a gun. And a gun. TV stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And it has maybe the ending, the movie ending that me and Shut have referenced the most as <laughs> much this year. Uh, it's just. Uh, Aaron Eckhart just making a really casual dad joke that everybody laughs and then the movie ends, basically. It's something so... Especially because they've just had the big emotional victory, right? Like, I feel like he even gets to like call his wife and be like, we did it. I, I beat the odds. Everybody agrees I'm a great guy. And then they're like, oh, uh, Aaron Eckhart, any, uh, any last thoughts for us? And he says, oh, yeah, I wish we had done this in the summer because they're so cold. And... A boardroom of people chuckles and the movie cuts to black. It's so weird. I love that. I've even been saying that and I haven't even seen the movie. Like, we should have done this in July. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like, I feel like we kind of, like, there was chuckling in our audience because, like, everybody in the theater was just old people. And I was so fucking mad going into that movie because I this the the most I've ever paid for a movie ticket was fucking Sully. Yes, because it was an IMAX. And it was Friday night. But it night. wasn't and it was Friday night, but it wasn't really an IMAX screen. It was pretty much a regular size screen, but it was like a little taller, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was so mad. Got tricked. I got super tricked. I barely even wanted to see this movie. Yeah, I don't want to see it either. I, I wouldn't have seen it if Sean's brother Kevin had invited us to see it. Did he like it? <laughs> he liked it all right. Because I feel like Kevin had some problems um, being, you know, an aviation enthusiast and that being his job. Like, he was disappointed in flight, so I wasn't sure. Like, Yeah, he hated flight. I think he was okay with Sully. Yeah. How's Tom Hanks? He's good. He doesn't really look like Sully. Nope. Nope. He's sure got some of the little skinnier, you know, John Waters. <laughs> uh, I'd see it, but America wouldn't. <laughs> Haunting specter of John Waters guides your plane down. <laughs> okay guys 
which movie will go down in legend as the most mildly pleasing <laughs> from the least pleasing year that I've lived through. I'm just going to say it. I, I really want to give it to Sully. Oh, I don't care. Yeah, you Because <laughs> it didn't need to be made, but it was passable enough. But it was like the stakes were so low in this movie, it felt like. Uh, what were you going to say, John? I was going to say Ghostbusters just because it's the most relevant. But I don't want people to get confused and think we're saying it's like it's not good. So I feel like it's probably gotten enough attention. So By picking Sully, we're just saying that old white men don't make super compelling art. <laughs> There's a lot of things they don't do right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that sounds fine. Sully! All right. Well, so concludes the Mildly Pleased Awards. Uh, by the time this is out, you'll have already seen our uh, top ten uh, albums of the year posts on MildlyPleased.com. And just keep going back to that website. We're going to be doing um, TV shows next week and uh, movies the week after that. And then I will do video games the week following that. And who knows? Um what else will be happening um and we'll do podcasts to go with um with tv and movies as well our top tens uh talking about the good stuff um well so i guess that concludes the show uh colin any uh any last words anything you would have changed i wish we could have done it in july <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. Send me a kiss, my wire. Baby, my heart's on fire. If you refuse me, honey, you lose me. Then you'll be left alone. Oh, baby, telephone and tell me I'm your own.